what we just saying is part of the, the, the reason, if not the part of the reason, as, as to why trust is the heart of uh, the secret to commitment. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. It's, it's not ours. It's God's battle. And we're, we're a part of what He's doing, but it's God's battle, not ours. So, so trust becomes in the, the very secret of commitment. You know, I think this, this passage and this, this notion is a real challenge for us today. And I, I've been reminded over the last several weeks and um, uh, sort of caught up short in, in interacting with, with colleagues because what's been mentioned and brought up to me is how often we talk about the benefits of following Jesus, of which there are many the benefits of following Jesus, you know, life to the full, joy and love. But we don't talk often about the cost of following Jesus. The suffering that comes from following Jesus. And I think, and the reason that is in my conversation with others is because the, the, the form of most public communication in marketing is about benefits. And we're formed by that. I mean, most of the marketing that we see is about, this is what you'll get for doing this. This is the, the benefits. Nobody's going to say, this is how much, they don't lead, or this is how much it costs. That, that usually sort of gets thrown in at the end, you know. That's the last thing that they say, you know. It's in the fine print. But Jesus was clear. He said, if anybody wants to follow me, if anyone wants to be my student, they want to be my disciple, well, then this is what it means. It means you deny yourself, you take up my cross daily, and you follow me. Now, that's a foolish marketing plan. I was even praying today. You know, this is an unrare, uh, this is a rare prayer uh, for me. Maybe people will be busy uh, today for this one. But that's uh, my flesh speaking. Yeah, I don't want to deny the benefits. I mean, those are clear. But I want to be sure that we capture and what we see here about commitment is that to follow Jesus, to follow the ways of God, means that it's your whole life that's given to Him. It's not just a nice add-on. It's not just a nice part. He's not, God's not a butler that we call in time of need. Not the cavalry that we call when we're in a foxhole. I mean, He is the essence of our lives that we give it all to Him. Or, or that is our pursuit. And the crucial point that we see here, and, and, and if you have any questions about that, just ask Daniel, right? I mean, he's just praying. He's just living for God, and, and look where it got him. Look where it got Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Look where it got Jesus. Look where it got Peter. Look where it got Paul. Look where it got Stephen. And the list goes on. But the crucial point for Daniel, and I think for all those others, that litany of saints, of martyrs that have gone before us, is that they trusted 
in the Father. They knew victory was theirs in God. Regardless of the circumstances. Let's look a little here at Daniel's commitment to God. See what, what he faced with his responses. It, it demonstrates to us the cost of discipleship, the suffering that also comes for living from God. It's Daniel chapter 6, starting with verse 10. We'll read through 15 and then read verse 22. It's found on page 723 in your pew Bible if you want to turn there or on the screen. Let's pray. Gracious God, give us ears to hear from you this day. Free us from any defensive mechanisms we might put up to not hear the clarity of your word. Speak to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Daniel chapter 6 starting with verse 10. Although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had windows in its upper room, open towards Jerusalem, and to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and praise him just as he had done previously. The conspirators came and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God. Then they approached the king and said concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? The king answered, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they responded to the king. Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the interdict you have signed. But he is saying his prayers three times a day. When the king heard the charge, he was very much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel, and until the sun went down, he made every effort to rescue him. Then the conspirators came to the king and said to him, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no interdict or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. In verse 22, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me, Because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no wrong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If there's a crucial passage in this text, what really came out to me, and actually it was in our worship planning team as we were walking through this and just discussing this, it was the that demonstrates the key point here is trusting in God is the, the, the content of Daniel's prayer when he's in the upper room of his house. Did you catch that? What was he praying for when he was there? I mean, I mean all the other things of his commitment I mean, are there. I mean, all kinds of questions you could ask. Daniel, why would you go up there? I mean, what's the difference? Pray in the basement. You know, nobody can see you there. 
You know, or, or just pray in your heart, you know. I mean, nobody needs to know. There's no right posture. Why did you do all that? Great questions. But, but Daniel did because it was necessary for him. But what was, when he was praying there, what was he crying? He was crying out for God's mercy. He knew he didn't have the strength. I mean, just hearken ahead a few centuries, just like Jesus. Take this cup from me. But not my will, your will be done. He's crying out to God for mercy because he knows it's only going to happen if God does it. It's only going to happen if God does it in him. If God enables him to keep that commitment, it's only going to happen if God is the one. And when he's in the, in the, the uh, lion's den himself. Thank you for not going, Rawr, that would really throw me off when I said that. But when he's in the lion's den there, what does he do? God he cries out to God for God's mercy. Because he knows the essence of commitment to God is to trust upon God. Now I want to tell you a couple stories. A couple stories that I've been, uh, that I've heard recently, read recently in a wonderful book called God is Red. R-E-D, by Liao Yiwu. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing those correctly, but as Dad told me, just act like you know what you're doing. Nobody else knows either. Well, I know I'm pronouncing God is red. I know that's correct. But after hearing the stories, you may want to grab a copy. Liao Yiwu is the author of this book. He's not a Christian. He's Chinese, he's a dissident in, in China, he's tried to travel to the States 16 different times, he's only been allowed to come once. And he is an author, musician, poet. And this book, God is Read, he was just going around interviewing um, uh, different Christians about the days of the Cultural Revolution in China. The one, one person he wanted to interview was... Yuan Qingchen, and Pastor uh, Qingchen uh, was, he was unable because of government interference to make that connection. But he did get to interview the pastor's son, Fu Sheng. Now, the, the pastor was imprisoned for 21 years and 8 months during the Cultural Revolution in, in China. And uh, his son... Uh, was able to tell some of his story to our author here. He said that, that the, his father, who was a devout Christian, he was a communist. He, he believed in, in the government. He was not anti-government. He was not anti-communist, but he was pro-Jesus. And he knew he had to do God's will and not be under the control of the government. And, and things at first were sort of calm, and then in his particular province, it was in 55, 1955, that things really changed. The, the son tells us that at that time, more than a thousand churches in China were burned to the ground, and tens of thousands of Christians were arrested. Several thousand were executed on charges of being members of a cult. Christian struggled deeply in that time. Pastors struggled deeply. I mean, all kinds of stories he tells of some pastors succumbing 
to the state and, and signing off, renouncing their faith, uh, and others going back and forth and back and forth. A, a very ta- challenging time. And this was a, a crucial point. Remaining faithful was not an easy reflex action. It was a, a, a commitment of the highest order. Well, Our author asked uh, the pastor's son this question. Couldn't your father, and this is why it's great, it's a non-Christian. I mean, he's not trying to make any things up and he's not holding back any punches. Couldn't your father make some concessions for the sake of his family? There was no justification for your father to put his family through such suffering. To which his son said, He had thought carefully about such questions. He had also taken counsel from many friends. But the biggest misfortune for a Christian, the biggest misfortune for a Christian does not lie in the calamity that befalls him in this world. It is the betrayal of God for the sake of secular things on earth. Oh, if my children would have that same testimony. The biggest misfortune for a Christian does not lie in the calamity that befalls him in this world. It is the betrayal of God for the sake of secular things on earth. Pastor Chen Chen passed away in 2005 at the age of 92. And according to our author, his six children... Survive them all as pious Christians. Second story from the same country, same book. It's of Pastor Wang Jiming. Wang Jiming was arrested in 1969 for his religious work in China and was executed in 1973 at the age of 66. Our our author interviewed one of his sons who told him the story of how in 1951, in his particular province, the government closed the churches, confiscated all church property, and sent his father, a newly ordained minister, home. The the son who was being interviewed was 11 years old at the time. And the same with uh, this pastor as the one before. They were not anti-government. I mean, they were communist and believed that was a viable government for their particular land. Uh, uh, Pastor Ming here even met with Chairman Mayo as part of the delegation from the, the Yunnan province in the 50s. But he refused to renounce his faith and refused to not practice it. So the son tells his story. The government then sealed and confiscated the church property, ordered my father to return home, farm under the supervision of the revolutionary peasants, Since uh, the father was one of the few literate people in the region, they made him the village accountant. He obeyed because the Bible says, obey the authorities. But he never stopped his daily prayers. 
It says, sometimes Christians in other villages would gather at our house late at night. The tense political environment made everyone nervous. All prayer had to go underground. In 66, the Cultural Revolution really started and the masses stormed upon them, ransacked their house, beat everyone in their family, tied all the Christians together and would parade them from village to village where they would be beaten and spit upon. His father was forced to wear a big dunce cap on his hat, on his head that had the word spy and lackey of the imperialists. No matter how much we suffered, he says, Father never stopped praying. He said it went on like that for three years until the revolutionary rebels began fighting one another and no longer had time to bother us. The daily harassment ended. My father found some former Christians. They would gather inside mountain caves at midnight for prayer sessions. They didn't have a copy of the Bible but they believed it was in their heart. Our author goes on to tell the story as the son recounts his father's execution, again involving crowds and, and taunts as the sentence was carried out. After his death, two of the sons were sent to prison. One committed suicide because he didn't think he could handle the abuse in prison. Eventually, the Chinese government reversed the verdict. God bless you. And once the Cultural Revolution was over, reversed the convictions against the sons as well and released them from prison. In 1996, for 30 years after his death, after his, over his father's death, the church held a memorial service for his father. The choir alone numbered over 2,000. In the 1960s, in the Yunnan province, there were 3,000 known Christians. By 2005, there were 30,000 known Christians in that province alone. Sun concluded his interview. In our society today, People's minds are entangled and chaotic. They need the words of the gospel now more than at any other time. I share these stories with you just to remind us in modern day that the story of Daniel is true. It is real. It's not just a nice fairy tale. It's not just a, a good, inspiring tale that will encourage us to keep praying. It is true and real in our lives, in the very essence of our commitment to let nothing hinder us from following the ways of Jesus. Letting nothing on this earth deterring us from being the committed followers of Jesus Christ that He has invited us and called us and gifted us to be. Amen.